and standing next to us was a man and a woman. I don't know if they were husband and wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, but clearly they had just hiked down. We could hear their conversation with the ranger, and and I hear the the man say, we need a permit? (laughs) Well, what if we don't have a permit? Well, then you're not allowed in. And I remember they were like, like astonished. Because they didn't know this before Mm. they got down. And I could see the woman. She was getting angry with the ranger. And all of a sudden, her anger turned from the ranger (laughs) to the the boyfriend or husband or ex-husband, whichever. (laughs) Most likely ex-husband. I could see the look on her face like, how could you be such an idiot to her boyfriend? It gave me a shiver. Because <laughs> you had a flashback. <laughs> I have seen that look before. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're talking about one of the most famous waterfalls in the world, Havasu Falls. It seems like photos of the turquoise waters of Havasu Falls are everywhere these days, but it's not an easy place to get to, both in terms of acquiring a permit and hiking down into this remote canyon. We'll discuss how we were able to get a permit and other important details like how to get there, how long you should stay, and what months are better than others. And we'll share the story of why we didn't make it to Havasu the first time and almost didn't make it the second time. Usually before we do a podcast, you tell me all the things I'm not supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad we skipped that part this week. Uh, We did skip it. I just wanted to do a little dance and Uh, you shut that down. (laughs) No, I'm so so glad this is just audio. (laughs) We need a pre-show ritual. Like, you know, like high five, high ten, Put your butt in the seat and and start talking into the microphone. How about that? (laughs) All right, done. (laughs) Check that off the list. (laughs) Uh, You know something we never talked about? What was that? Or we haven't talked about. It's now into the new year, 2021, for people who are listening to this in 2030 and wondering, wow, they did (laughs) podcasts way back then. But we've now reached the one-year anniversary of our podcast. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I don't know what the date was. Was it? I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the date is either. January something. No, I think it was the 26th. Oh, I thought it was the 19th. Well, <laughs> okay. okay. Happy <laughs> <Yeah>. anniversary. <laughs> we should have looked we that any, up. Are we any better a year later? Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that pretty much summed it up right there. <laughs> we should have looked up the date before we started talking we about it. We had no clue what we were getting into when we started this podcast. And I remember talking with Jonah and Annie, our producers, about setting up this podcast. And we were going to do it once a month. Somehow we changed it to every other week, but now (laughs) we have recently decided to start producing them once a week. We need to get the lingo right. I believe that the hip terminology these days is our pod is going to drop weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> we haven't been hip since 1983. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll try that for six months and see if <laughs> we're not really sure what we're signing up for. That's right. We'll, that makes me a little nervous. I'm worried that we might run out of things to talk about. Oh, yeah. That's Although- <laughs> definitely going to happen. <laughs> Although we always have my backup history channel. Oh, that's so, right. We can yeah. just rerun yeah. episodes of your history channel. Right, right. That, that you do in our basement. I never see the crew coming and going. <laughs> For that show. It must be a pretty tight production. It's a one-woman show, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so we are moving to weekly podcast episodes every Thursday. And then the other small change we're going to make is instead of having mailbag at the end of every episode – We are going to have one of the monthly episodes be all mailbag all the time, and that will come out on the last Thursday of the month. Or whenever we decide to to put it out there. (laughs) Whenever we have enough mailbag questions. Yeah, that's that's another. The mailbags will show up just like the regular mail, whenever it shows up. That's right. Exactly. So please continue to send in your mailbag questions because we've been having a lot of fun with that. What else? (laughs) What else? So this, this episode is all about the main topic. Which today's main topic is about Havasu Falls. That's right. And it might be the only episode we ever do about a place that is not a public land. It's not. It's private land. It's part of the Havasupai People's Reservation. They're the Havasupai Nation land. They are very gracious to allow hikers to come visit their area. So we'll we'll talk about that. It also has nothing to do with Havasu Lake or Lake Havasu. That's right. It's Uh, very confusing. It is a little confusing Mm -hmm. because Lake Havasu is southeast of Las Vegas. But no, it has nothing to do with Lake Havasu. Havasu Falls is by the small village of Supai on the Havasupai Indian Reservation. Right. It happens to be in the Grand Canyon in Arizona, but it is not part of Grand Canyon National Park. Most visitors to the Grand Canyon go to the South Rim in the village area, and the Havasu Reservation is west of there. Right. So the Havasupai Indians have been living in that area, the Grand Canyon area, for a long, long, long time. And it wasn't until the early 1900s that the U.S. government, when they started forming Grand Canyon National Park, they asked the Havasupai Indians to leave. Well, they, they created a reservation for the Havasupai. And what's pretty amazing is it was 518 acres. Mm-hmm. So it's a small area. And uh, fortunately, though, in, in 1975, then Congress passed a law that gave them back 185,000 acres of the area right there by the canyon in the the Rim Territory. So they have much, much larger area now. And uh, the boundary of their land is the Colorado River, but it's not in the National Park. One historian, Stephen Hirsch, wrote a book about the Havasupai. And in the book, he said in 2006, they did a census and they listed 684 folks that were either half or greater Havasupai ancestry. And 454 of them resided within that reservation. And I think most of them are in the village, the Supai village, which, by the way, is the only place in the United States that still gets its mail and supplies 
by Mule, except for Phantom Ranch, which also does as well down in the Grand Canyon. So those two places are still uh, still receiving their mail by Mule. But why do people go there? What is so incredible about Havasu Falls? Well, if you see any photos, if you Google Havasu Falls, you will see this these incredible photos of a waterfall into a turquoise blue pool. Mm -hmm. And you would think, well, somebody's edited this photo because a waterfall wouldn't look like that, wouldn't actually look that blue. But the water when you get there is truly the color that you see in those photos. So it's this incredible falls into this brilliant turquoise blue pool. That's right. As a matter of fact, the word Havasupai means people of the blue-green water. So this is a place you, Karen, you had wanted to see for a long time because you'd seen these photos. Right. I had seen it for a long time. It had been in my bucket. So like a lot of places right now, the Havasupai Nation has closed their entire area to any visitors. So you cannot currently visit, but Hopefully, sometime in 2021, they're going to be reopening so people can go and see these beautiful waterfalls. So we're going to share with you some information we have about how to get permits and and so on. And then we'll tell you about our little adventure down to Havasu Falls. First of all, the, the most important thing to know is if you want to go see the falls, you have to have a permit. Yes, that's the most important thing day hiking down is not an option. You have to have a permit, and that would either be a permit to camp or a permit to stay in the lodge down there. They have a small lodge. So the way the camping permit works is, at least in the past, they have opened up the camping reservations online on February 1st, and everybody jumps on to book their dates for the year. Now, the campground is open from March 1st until November 30th. So those are the dates that you have to work with, and they allow about 350 people to camp per night. But what we've heard is that as soon as the reservations open up on February 1st, they're all sold out within two hours. You got to get on it. You got to mark your calendar to try to get your reservations quick. And those were the dates when they allowed people to go down there and camp. So after COVID, when this reopens, double check that. Yeah, we'll put the link to the reservation page on our show notes. And then they they do a good job of updating it. I saw there was an update about a week or two ago. So the other option is staying in the lodge. And in the past, they have opened up the lodging reservations on June 1st. Now, those are all for the following year. One thing I forgot to mention about the camping permit, if you go for a camping permit All of the permits are for three nights and four days. There is no choice on that. If you want to stay in the lodge, you know, you could stay one night, two, three. That's up to you. The lodge reservations, you call a number. You don't book those online. And if you're going to be doing that, you better bring your patience. (laughs) Yeah, I called many, many times, lots of uh, different times of the day. I finally got in mid-afternoon. So it seems like that's... From, from having been down there and checked into uh, the lodge and kind of seen how the office works, it seems like they check people in mid-afternoon, the folks are there, and there's staff that can answer the phone. So if you have trouble calling in, you might want to try mid-afternoon. That's right. And what happens is the phone just rings and rings and rings. And I know – 
if you read reviews on TripAdvisor or any of the other uh, review websites, people voice a lot of frustration with their reservation system down there. They try and try and they really want to go and they can't get in. The website crashes or the phone doesn't get answered. And I think after you've been down there and you see their infrastructure, which is basically none, you realize, I mean, they had one telephone sitting on that desk. Right. These ladies, they're checking people in. They're answering questions of guests. Then they're, you know, answering the phone to book a reservation. So they don't have a ton of staff. They don't have a ton of technology, and they're doing the best they can. So, That's right. So, so be patient. Yeah, it's not a Hilton hotel. So um, it's a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere. So, so just I think if everybody goes in with the right expectations, it's not quite so frustrating. Well, the first time we tried to visit Havasu Falls back in 2013. I got real lucky. Uh, our schedule was flexible, and I called the lodge repeatedly and asked if they had any cancellations, and they did. They had two nights open in August, so I grabbed it. I know. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it when you told me you had gotten two nights. It was like it was my dream come yeah, true. Yeah, I was, I was a little concerned because August can be super hot, but uh, we got the nights, so we decided to go. So we flew into Phoenix, uh, got a rental car, and then we booked our first night in the tiny little town of Peach Springs, which is on the Wallapai Indian Reservation. Yeah, and it's about 67 miles from the Havasu Falls Trailhead, which is, as we've said, it's on Havasupai land, but Peach Springs, that's Wallapai land. Yeah, and it's the closest place to stay for miles and miles and miles out there. So I was worried about the wrong thing. <laughs> what were you worried I, about? Well, I was, I was concerned about the heat yeah. of August. But mm-hmm. in fact, what you need to be concerned about is the monsoon. It's monsoon season. Right, which we did not know that. We did not know that. We know that now. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, August is monsoon season. Is, Do not try to go to Havasu in August. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the area is prone to flash floods because mm-hmm. thunderstorms come through and – so I'll never forget, we get to this hotel. It was very nice. We walked in to check in, and you're about to hand over your credit card. And all of a sudden, you looked down at this piece of paper that was taped to the front counter. It was a little tiny piece of paper with a, with a small <laughs> note. And what did it <laughs> say? It, it said, the Havasu Village is, is closed. The trail is closed. And the village has been evacuated. I know. And so we we looked at each other and then we asked the woman who was checking us in, like, what is this? And she said in like five words, oh, yes, it's closed. And we tried to then go online and search the Internet for what happened. And it took us a while. We found one news report. From a tiny newspaper in the area. Right. And so they, they had to helicopter all the villagers out and they had trouble with their their water system and their sewage system. And so good thing we saw that because literally had we had I not looked at that, we would have gone the next morning and who knows, we might have even started down the trail. I know. And apparently this flash flood had come through about three or four days before we were there. And I just remember wondering why we didn't hear anything on the news I also remember wondering why no one had called us to cancel our reservation. Because they were all on the helicopter (laughs) being flown to Kingman or wherever. They were just trying to save themselves. Oh, my gosh. That that was such a Karen thought, wasn't it? To think about why didn't anyone call us when 
these yeah. people, you know, Havasu Creek, when it rains like that and it leaves its banks, then it floods everything in its path from the village down to the campground. And, of course, we didn't know any of that. Yeah, no one had a Post-it note on it that said, call Karen Smith. That's and right. Tell her, she's booked in yeah, she's on these bu- nights. She has a room booked. You better call her. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm mortified that I thought that, given how much we know now and about, you know, the resources that these people have. But, yeah, luckily, no. No one was injured or died. They airlifted them out and they stayed in Red Cross shelters for I don't know how long. Yeah. So it's a good thing that uh, there was not severe damage to the village and, and everyone was okay. That's right. And what was interesting, too, that we learned from this is that every time a flash flood comes through there, which seems to happen maybe not yearly, but at least every other year, it changes the waterfalls. It does. And it can change like the boulders at the top of the falls. And so sometimes after a flash flood, now the falls split and it'll be like that for a year or two or three. And, and so that's kind of interesting. And, and sometimes new falls form. That's right. It changes dramatically. And if you Google, if you Google flash floods, Havasu Falls, there are pictures posted throughout the years. And it's just wild to see because the water, of course, is muddy brown and there's debris. So instead of the turquoise falls, there's this massive brown fall. So I'm sure it was frightening and as disappointed as we were to not be able to go down there. Of course, that was nothing compared to what these Havasupai people have to go through. Right. So that was 2013. And then I think we tried on and off for the next couple of years. But finally, in 2016, we were highly motivated to get in shape for our trek out of the Grand Canyon when we did the Dory trip. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. And we were doing training programs. Oh, yeah. And it occurred to me, maybe we should try Havasu again, because that what would be better practice than hiking down into Havasu Canyon and back up? Yeah, it's not as um, strenuous as that Bright Angel Trail out of the Grand Canyon there, but mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a good practice. It was. And so you got back on the phone again, and you worked your magic, and lo and behold, <laughs> you got a room. Yeah, I worked my magic. <laughs> we were going to Palm Springs in March, and I think we started trying, what, maybe – in oh, January or February? It wasn't that far before our trip. And I was just totally surprised. One, that I got in. And two, that there was uh, availability. So, yeah, we, we must have caught a cancellation. Yeah. And what's even more surprising is then we talked our friends John and Lolly into going with us. And they called and called. And they got through. And they were able to get a room for the same night, which – We were extremely surprised. And, of course, I was thrilled that my dream was finally going to (laughs) happen. It also turned out, as we were planning this trip with them, that we were both planning to visit friends in Palm Springs the weekend before. So I think our lodge reservation was for a Tuesday night. And we happened to be in Palm Springs the weekend before, so we – then plan was Monday Monday morning, pick up John and Lolly, drive to Kingman, spend the night in Kingman and Monday night, then on to the trailhead. The funny story, though, <laughs> we're texting John and Lolly all weekend. We didn't see them at all because we're all in separate houses visiting with friends. And so we text Lolly Monday morning saying, hey, excited. We'll pick you up in an hour. And, and she texts right back. Great. We should be ready. John's still at the emergency room, (laughs) the urgent care center. 
And I think that's all she said. And we're like, what do you mean the urgent care center? And she proceeds to tell us that John had something wrong with his foot. It had swelled up to like the size of a football. Didn't know what was wrong with it. Couldn't walk. Was in the urgent care. And this is Monday morning. 24 hours later, we're supposed to be hiking down on this strenuous hike into the, <laughs> into the canyon. So we thought, okay, the, the trip's off. I was so bummed because this would have this would have been the second time that we got so close and didn't make it down. So I I was crushed. Of course I felt bad for John. Yeah, we felt real that, bad you know, for John. His whatever, whatever was going on with John. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a joke until we drove over and we walk in and John's foot is up on a chair and it is the size of a football. It was like a monster he could, foot. He couldn't, he, couldn't put, he couldn't put his shoe on. He had a sock that was stretched across it. And I thought, okay, that's it. The trip's off. And he was insistent. No, we're going. We're going anyway. And he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And the weird thing is, too, is the doctors had no idea what was wrong with his foot. And he thinks even though he didn't see one, that it might have been a scorpion bite. It could have been a spider bite or mm-hmm. scorpion sting and then had a, an allergic reaction. But it wasn't whatever it was. It wasn't going away. No. <laughs> and he, he couldn't put his shoe on. <laughs> so we <laughs> load him into the car. We thought, well, well, at least we'll drive to Kingman. If we have to cancel this trip completely, we'll probably go back to Las Vegas and fly home anyway. So that's that's in the direction. So we load him into the car, and yeah, we did, we drove to Kingman that afternoon. And the good news was when we pulled up to the Hampton Inn in Kingman, right next door, like the parking lot is right there, was a nice big hospital. So Lolly and I figured that the next morning, if John couldn't do the hike, we'd leave him at the Hampton. The three of us would go, and then John would be cozy in the Hampton next to the emergency room if he needed it. And then we'd go spend the night, come back, pick up John in Kingman, and go back to Vegas. So that was our plan. But you weren't having anything to do with that. (laughs) You guys were leaving John behind so fast. Matter of fact, I think you came up with this plan before he got stung by the scorpion. (laughs) But I said, no, if, if the four of us can't go, no one's going. But John was not giving up, although... His foot didn't look better. He wasn't feeling any better. But somehow, and it's a little cloudy now, we did manage to find the energy to go to Oyster's Mexican restaurant that night for dinner and have fishbowl-sized margaritas. Well, yeah, they were medicinal because then the next day, John was feeling better. His foot was still swollen and he could barely lace his boot, but he was ready to go. And so we we got in the car and we headed to the trailhead, which is which is pretty remote. Yeah, we had nothing else planned. So I still, at this point, I, I figured we weren't going. We'll play along. We'll drive to the trailhead. It's, it was uh, about two and a half hours from Kingman. You drive east on I don't know what highway, <laughs> past Peach Springs. Then you take uh, Indian Highway, I don't know, number 11. We'll fact check that. Okay. And drive north another hour or so to the trailhead. And we do all of this. Now, of course, this is also during spring break. At middle of March. Middle mm-hmm. of March. So parking lot's crowded. It's a huge parking lot, but still crowded. We barely found a spot to park. And go through the motions of 
getting our backpacks out and making sure we know where our snacks are and all of this. And I'm, I'm still thinking there's no way we're going. <laughs> John finally laces up his boots, could barely do that. And he, he's hobbling, he's hobbling from the car to the edge of the, the canyon rim there. So we just went along <laughs> thinking that we'll just, let, we'll just let him stretch his legs and then we'll get back in the car and go to Las Vegas and fly home. But John, God love him, put one foot in front of the other and started down. I think one of the reasons he was so motivated to go is because he knew, after I'd told him over and over again, about the first time when my dream had been dashed. And he didn't want to be the reason that our second attempt failed. I think he was afraid of you. I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. While the only option for hikers to get down is to hike yourself down, they do have a helicopter that will fly people out of the canyon. Now, the thing with that is it's first come, first serve, and you there are no reservations. At least there weren't when we were there. And they only do it on certain days, so you need to make sure that the day you're going out, the helicopter is available. And also, when we were down there and we looked at the helicopter pad, there was a big sign that said, helicopter not flying this week because of spring break. So you just want to be aware that there is a chance you might have to hike back out. And we'll give you some distances here in a second. Uh, One other note, too, I did read that they have mule duffel service. So for an extra fee, you can have a mule schlep your uh, your bags and your, you know, especially if you're camping your tent and all that stuff down and back up. So that's an option too. Well, I was worried with John. I was, I was concerned about his health, kind of, uh, <laughs> but I was more worried. We would get halfway down the trail and he would be incapacitated. And I, I know what would happen next. Uh, he would be, he <laughs> I would be giving him a piggyback ride either back up to the top of the rim or to to the village. That's right. And then I would sit him down on the helicopter pad and say, in 10 days, a helicopter will take you out of here. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah, you don't want to have a medical emergency down there because uh, it does not look like they'd get to anybody very quickly. Because we asked somebody in the village, like, so now the the helicopter guy might have been a gal, whoever flying the helicopters taking the week off because spring break. What, what happens if there's a medical emergency? They said, well, we could call Kingman and have a, a life flight helicopter come in from Kingman. So anyway. So the hike down to Supai Village is about seven and a half miles. Some, some websites say it's eight miles, and it's about 2,000 feet elevation change. But a 1,000 of those feet come right at the very beginning of the trail. You know, so once John made it down that really steep hill into the canyon, I figured he'd probably be okay after that because then it, the, the trail does sort of taper off more gradually. I have to say he never complained. He was he was limping, but he just kept on going. And then you're right, after we got down that that first steep part, it's a sandy trail, pretty gradual 
elevation change from there down to the village. Another mm-hmm. another six and a half miles is kind of winds through some some canyons, a lot of sand, so it's kind of soft going. I just remember as we're hiking down, and it's beautiful as the Grand Canyon always is. Just layers and layers of rock and uh, views for miles and miles. It was gorgeous. But all of a sudden, as we're hiking along, and we didn't see many people on the hike down at all. So the four of us are alone, and all of a sudden, we hear this noise coming, like a freight engine coming Well, first, we heard, we heard some <laughs> hollering, for lack of better description. Somebody hollering. And then we heard the train noise. We didn't think there were any trains down there. So that was a little concerning. And this went on for maybe 10, 15 seconds, some ground rumbling. And I think pretty much all at once, the four of us realized what was going on. And I think John yelled. He said, get as close as you can to the canyon wall. And we all did that. And coming around the bend was a pack of mules. And they were hauling. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they were – had we just stayed in the middle of the trail, they would have run us over. Oh, we would have been pancakes. They would have just flattened us <laughs> Absolutely. run right over us. <laughs> they just came barreling through. So that was mm-hmm. that was a little exciting. That was exciting. But at least we could hear them coming. Um, and we and that did happen a few more times on the way down and on the way up. So, so just note that uh, if you're making that hike, listen carefully for the sound of a train coming through. <laughs> the trail and the scenery did start to change, what, about a mile uh, yeah, about, outside of the village? Right, about one mile out. You get into the trees. They're deciduous trees. You're also that now walking next to Havasu Creek, so you're seeing the blue-green water. And so a little bit uh, more shady helps you get out of the heat. And I will have to say, even in March, it was pretty warm in the middle of the day. It was. When we were hiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the first things you come to when you hike into the village is I don't know if they call it a visitor center or ranger station, but everyone has to stop there. Right. And you have to show them your reservation. And that's when they give you the official permit to continue on down to the falls. And it is like a big orange permit that you attach to your pack so that at a glance, they know that you have permit. Because as we said, no one is allowed in there without a permit. I don't know if you remember this, but when we were there, we're talking to the ranger and telling him, okay, here's our permit number and all of this. And he's looking us up and he's getting his, you know, the, the cards that we attach to our backpack. And standing next to us was a man and a woman. They looked like they were in their 20s. I don't know if they were a husband and wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, but clearly they had just hiked down. We could hear their conversation with the ranger. And, and I hear the, the man say, we need a permit? <laughs> and the ranger very calmly, yes, you have to have a permit to be here. Well, what if we don't have a permit? Well, then you're not allowed in. <laughs> and I remember they were like, like astonished because they didn't know this before mm. they got down. And I could see the woman. She was getting angry with the ranger. And like all of a sudden, her anger turned from the ranger. <laughs> <laughs> To the, to the boyfriend or husband or ex-husband, whichever. Ex- <laughs> Most and likely ex-husband. I could see the look on her face like, like, okay, she went from being mad at the ranger to how could you be such an idiot to her boyfriend? And I could, I've seen that look before. 
Oh. I have seen. From your former wife? No, I have seen. I, when I, I was watching this unfold, and when she looked at him and gave him that look, it, it gave me a shiver. because. <laughs> Because you had a flashback. I have seen that look before. And I was just, I wanted to give him some advice, but uh, I, I figured it's better he just, just be a learning experience yeah. for him. Yeah, they had to get going because they had to hike their butts back out of the canyon, which, boy, you don't want to turn around and have to do that. I was glad that we had permits at that Yeah, point. and if we didn't make it clear before, when you book your campground reservation and or your hotel lodge reservation, those come with the permits. Then there is not an extra step. That guarantees that you have a permit to go down and see the falls. Well, we had we got our permits and we were anxious to see the falls. So we were heading out, but it was right at the time where they started checking people in for the lodge. So we went to the main office to check in first. So we got we got our room and uh we're able to put some of our stuff to empty some of the stuff out of our pack that we didn't need just to go down to the falls. Yeah, it's interesting because the this is not again this is not like a Hilton or a Holiday Inn. Uh, they open their office at one o'clock to check in, and I believe they're only open for several hours. So if you get there at a different time, I'm not sure, quite frankly, what you do as far as checking in. If you show up late at night, or but. That's their deal is you check in at one o'clock. And then the other thing we should probably describe what this lodge looks like. It's sort of a motel style. It's a motel mm -hmm, style With the doors on the outside. And it is two stories. And we had rooms, uh, both John and Lolly and Matt and I had rooms on the second story, second floor. And basic rooms, but... Boy, we sure were happy to have them, weren't we? <laughs> oh yeah, there, there there was there was nothing luxurious or certainly nothing wrong with these rooms. Just a basic kind of motel room, mm -hmm. couple of beds, mm -hmm. uh, air conditioner. Uh, well, that was the great thing. Every room had a window air conditioner. So as we said, it was hot out, and boy, that air conditioner was blowing cold air across the beds. And of course, we had a flush toilet and a sink and beds. So it was perfectly fine. And and to us, it seemed a lot more luxurious than camping. But we were anxious to get to the falls, so we uh, lightened our packs and, and headed off. Now, from the village, you're essentially walking north along Havasu Creek Trail, and you don't come to – Havasu Falls is like the – it's the marquee attraction of the entire area. But I got to say, these those other falls – and the scenery was just as spectacular. They and, were. And so you first get to a series of smaller falls. One's called 50-foot falls, then a rock falls, then a Navajo falls. And so we took some time to go see those and kind of hang out around uh, on the banks of those. Yeah, it's interesting because the first one of the first things we saw, there are signs posted that said – no jumping, no climbing the cliffs, no diving. And the first thing we stop and there are youngsters. <laughs> it always makes it seem old. <laughs> People uh, under the age of 50. <laughs> That's right. Jumping off of these cliffs into the water scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I know. I, we, we stopped. I think it was I think it was 50 foot falls. Mm -hmm, it was. And, and we mm -hmm. stopped. And I'm looking in the creek, and there's a, there's a series of falls, and one of them, it must be 50 feet 
tall, <laughs> hence, <laughs> hence the name. There's a woman standing at the very top. She's in the water, standing at the top of the falls. And I was wondering what she was doing there. And, and so I started filming. And I thought, there's no way she's going to jump off that. <laughs> and then I noticed there were people downstream encouraging her. And she kept – she would kind of go to the edge and kind of act like she was going to jump. And she would back off. And finally, I stayed there long enough and she jumped off. We'll try to put that video clip on our website. Yeah, that would be that's, fun. that's interesting. But she jumped off and uh, you're, you're not supposed to do that. You are not supposed to but do people, that. But people are doing it. Yeah. Anyway. So from there, we hiked to Havasu Falls, you know, which was uh, a kind of a pinch me moment to finally see it. And I have to say it was as spectacular as the photos we had seen. It was not disappointing in any way. It was stunning. So you're sort of approaching it from the top and looking down, but then you take the trail down to the bottom of the falls. And that's where it's really spectacular to see. And this beautiful blue pool of water, there were a few people swimming in there. And I will say the photos that you see online that people post, the falls in person look just like the photos. Mm-hmm. Those, and, those colors are real. Yeah, and it's even more striking because the the rock around the falls is a reddish color. So you've got this blue and the red. And yeah, it, it was something to see, boy. <laughs> and you could sit at the bottom of the falls. I think there, there's enough space there. There might have been a couple of picnic tables. There's some mist coming off. People are mm-hmm. resting there. But then you can keep uh, hiking now that you're hiking north downstream along Havasu Creek. The next thing you come to is the campgrounds, and mm-hmm. it's spread out quite a distance and seemed to me, man, there was there were a lot of people camping. There were, yeah. It, it, it's a pretty spread out campground, though. I mean, don't you think? It right. wasn't like people were on top of they, each they other. They weren't on top of each yeah. other. It's just there's a lot of them. Uh-huh. I'm going to say here, just so I don't forget to mention this, but I was reading some blog posts that people had published uh, just just to see what it was like to camp since we didn't do that. And the one thing that a couple different people mentioned is that the squirrels in the campground are vicious. And um, <laughs> Did you make this up? Is okay, this a- vicious maybe isn't the word. I think <laughs> squirrels are, vi- are vicious. <laughs> All squirrels are vicious. <laughs> but um, they maybe they're just more of an annoyance. But what they do is I guess they eat through – literally eat through people's packs to get at their food. And both of these blog posts that I read, they had had all of their food eaten by the squirrels while they were away visiting the falls. So note, if you're going to camp, you want to probably take um, a rat sack or a bear vault or something. Something to to protect your food. That's right. That's right. So the squirrels don't get it. Those vicious squirrels. Well, past the campgrounds, uh, the next thing you come to is Mooney Falls. So Havasu Falls is about two miles from the village. And then another mile is Mooney Falls. Mm-hmm. And that's spectacular too. It's it's a little a little more treacherous in the <laughs> sense that again you're you're going you're hiking downstream so you're approaching it from the top and you can see it you can see the falls from the trail and then there is there's a series of steps and tunnels and chains and ladders and bolts to to get make your way down to the bottom of the falls. 200 and, feet, right? It descends 200. It's a 200-foot cliff that you have to make your yeah, way and, down. And there were a lot of people there. It, it was crowded. There were people trying to come up while people were coming down. It, it was a accident waiting to happen. It was super sketchy. And everything's wet from the mist of the falls, so it's slippery. And 
Yeah, we looked at that and we looked at the lineup of people at the bottom who were waiting to get up and we just decided, no, <laughs> we're no. not going down. <laughs> and, we, and we had a pretty good view of the falls anyway. Mm-hmm, right? We did. So, so we didn't need to take that risk to, to get all the way down there. And I think we learned this afterwards so that you don't think that we're being too overly cautious. It's actually named after Daniel Mooney, who died trying to get dad to the bottom of the falls. That's right. So he was a prospector back in the 1800s, and and he was trying to get down, and and he he fell to his death. So anyway, we stayed up top. and Yeah, well, and, and the other motivation for you and John was you wanted to eat. Oh well, and yeah. So we should mention in the in the village of Supai, there is a small they they call it a snack bar. It's not really a restaurant. You order at the counter and they, you know, hand you your food when it's ready, but they have things like hamburgers and fry bread. Anyway, the snack bar closed at was it 5 or 6? Well, this was the problem. Because we saw one sign that said they close at 5, another sign that said they close at 6. It was the weekend where the clocks changed <laughs> from daylight savings time to regular time or whatever. And in the, the state of Arizona, they they don't change their clocks. Right. They just change time zones. Added to that, <laughs> some Indian nations go by a different time. So we had no idea what hour it was. We could be right. an hour off. So we did not want to miss a meal. Din- a meal. Because we, we didn't bring any food <laughs> with us. That's true. It would have been a long night. <laughs> so we weren't sure if, if the snack bar was closing in 20 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes mm-hmm. or two hours and 20 minutes. And so that, that was the most important thing for us at that very moment. Well, yeah. And so at that point, at Mooney Falls, we're three miles away from the village of Supai. So we had to hustle back up. You and John were practically running. And all of a sudden, John's foot John's was foot, like John's miraculous. <laughs> Foot got better. <laughs> he heard, he saw the Navajo fry bread on the menu and he was booking it. <laughs> Lolly and I stopped and put our feet in the water and uh, we were kind of wandering around. But fortunately, we made it back up in time to have dinner up there. Gosh. Yeah, and dinner was good. I think I had a chili hot dog and, of course, some fry bread. And Yeah, it was great. It was really great. By the time we got back up there, we had hiked, what, like 17 miles? John had a GPS that he was tracking from the from the top the, at the trailhead, and we had hiked 17 miles. So that's – if you're doing the math with us, we had some extra side trips like the 50-foot falls and here and there. So, yeah, a total of 17 miles that day, and John – I think his foot was hurting pretty bad. but he Oh, was, my feet were hurting. He, he, he was a trooper. Uh, he made it all the way. And then after dinner, we, we went up to our rooms, and we all sat on one of the beds and played cards and, and had the doors open. And our rooms overlooked a courtyard, and there was a Havasupai gentleman down there telling stories mm-hmm. and he was he was talking loud enough that we could hear him from inside our room with the doors open and there were guests down there in the courtyard listening to him so that was a pretty cool evening just relaxing there playing cards and listening to the stories of the have a soup by people it was it was amazing and as you can imagine there there were no TVs there's no cell service there's no internet so it, it was really special to be down 
in this little supai village in the in the middle of the Grand Canyon. Um, it was uh, just really fun fun to be down there. It was a good day compared to what I thought would be a trip back to Las Vegas to fly home because John was injured. But uh, he he marshaled on and uh, we got down there and, and saw all the falls as much as we wanted. So the next morning, we got up early because we had to hike out. We wanted to beat the heat of the day. And you might think, well, it's March. How hot could it be? It can it can be warm in oh, March. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we got up in, in the morning. It's... Uh, as we're getting ready, I hear, I hear a woman scream <laughs> in the room next to us. And you recognize the voice. I recognize the voice. That's that's Lolly. I figured that you know John had his foot got worse in the middle of the night, and it was the size of a watermelon, and that's what she was screaming about. But no, she like I had tried to take a shower, and there was no hot water. And she when she got into the shower, she screamed. I didn't scream, but anyway, <laughs> we got we got an early start, and that hike out is pretty pleasant because the elevation gain in that first six and a half miles from the village is so gradual that we didn't even feel like we were going uphill. Right, you yeah. really don't until you get to the steep part. Until at the you end. get to the steep mm. part at the end, and that's that's a pretty strenuous hike up, but it's only what a mile or mile and a quarter at the end. Yeah, yeah. But what, when we got to the top of the trailhead, John's GPS said that we had hiked 26 miles in 26 hours. Yeah. I know. Pretty amazing. Uh, but a couple of things in hindsight, for those of you planning to uh, to go down and see these beautiful falls, one night at the lodge was definitely not enough. Now, we felt lucky because we caught a cancellation and that's right. all we could get. So if that's all you can get, I would definitely jump on it because you'll get a chance to see the falls. But if you have any other options to stay two nights would definitely be preferable. Right. We were hiking to those falls after we had hiked all the way down to the village. And I mean, we were, we were tired. Sure, and, sure. And so it would have been nice to the next day have a full leisurely day of seeing all those. I mean, maybe catch it at a not as crowded of a time and we would have hiked down to the bottom of Mooney Falls. And right. And if you continue on from the bottom of Mooney Falls, then you a few miles later, you get to Beaver Falls. And I've seen photos of that. And that is absolutely beautiful. And you can even continue on and hike all the way down to the Colorado River, which I think is, I read that it's 11 miles. I'm not sure where they're starting that from, if that's from the village or from Havasu Falls, but that's a pretty good trek, but people do it. And it's it's difficult in spots. Mm -hmm. It's not a well-trodden path. So you, you really have to do some research, more research than listening to our podcast on it. <laughs> uh, but that, uh, yeah, you can, you can also do that. So hopefully the Havasupai Nation will open up again one day and everyone can be back down there visiting these incredible, incredible landscape. That's right. It's definitely a bucket list item. First off, our fact checkers have been very busy, and I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Ba bad news for me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Turns out that neither one of us knew the date of our first podcast. It was January 30th. Hmm. <laughs> Why did that date just escape our minds. I have no idea. Also, the Indian highway to the trailhead that you mentioned is Highway 18, not 11. I was going to say 18. <laughs> 
what are you just guessing these things? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one is on me. The mileage if you hike down to the Colorado River is nine miles from the village or seven miles from Havasu Falls. And that is one way. Okay, that's good to know. Yes. If you'd like to read more about our adventure to Havasu Falls, it's in our book, Dory's Ho, along with the story about our Dory boat adventure on the Colorado River. Dory's Ho and our three Dear Bob and Sue books are available on Amazon, and you can buy the paperback, the Kindle version, or the audiobook. And you can find more information about our books and about us by heading over to one of our four websites, www.dearbobandsue.com. Or you can find us on social media. On Instagram, we're Matt and Karen Smith. And on Facebook, we're Dear Bob and S. Please don't ask us why we made it so confusing. <laughs> Every episode, we create show notes. And those have links at the bottom that give you more information about some of the things we discussed. There's also a link where you can view photos of Havasu Falls. Go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com, click on the Episodes tab, then take a break, <laughs> <laughs> and then click on the title for Episode 28. <laughs> It'll be so worth the effort. Yeah. Our show is produced by the amazing folks at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. Happy podcast anniversary, Matt. I'm sorry I didn't get you a present. Well, I got you a present. You did? Yeah. Signed you up to do weekly podcasts for the next year. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Happy <laughs> anniversary.